Welcome to Your Life Choices, a very special Your Life Choices with me, John Deeks, uh, joined today by the publisher of Your Life Choices, Leon Dallabosca, and a, a very important uh, professor who will be joining us shortly, Professor Sarah Charlesworth from RMIT. And the discussion is all about the report brought down by the federal government uh, on the Age Care Commission, the Age Care Royal Commission. Uh, that has now been published and of extreme interest to all of us in Australia, uh, no matter what the age. Firstly, Leon, welcome to you. Thanks for having me, John. Have you got your hard copies of the report yet? Not yet, but I tell you what, it's been some pretty heavy reading. I, I challenge anyone to have read all eight volumes by now, but um, look, it's just been handed down. It's just been released. We've all been waiting for it, two yep. years in the making. Yeah. Uh, we think a lot of good can come of this, and I think... Uh, you know, starting with the fact that look, it's out there now. It's yeah. it's out there. It's the, it's it, we've always known it. Now it's enshrined. And I think the 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 title of the report being care, dignity, and respect. This is what we're after. This is what we're hoping to get from this aged care royal commission. Timely interview and podcast for your life choices. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you'll learn some more of it as we as we move through. So I'll bring in now the uh, good professor, Professor Sarah Charlesworth from RMIT, uh, to talk more about this subject. Sarah, welcome to you. Many, many thanks indeed. Well, um, I was did ask you before we went to where if you got much sleep last night, um, uh-huh. and, and, or were you up all night reading the entire report? Well, I was doing some pretty um, pretty fast scanning last night and very early this morning. The, the yeah, Evelyn, it's, the it's, Evelyn it's Wood, uh, the Evelyn Wood reading. <laughs> but it's uh, I, I suppose while the report is absolutely huge, at least four volumes are appendices, so you don't have to read all of those. And if, like many of us have been, and I'm sure Leon has been too, you know, tracking the progress of the Royal Commission, heard the uh, Council Assisting's final submissions to the Royal Commission, then. In a way, there are not that many surprises in the report, and um, although, of course, the big surprise is the um, the strong disagreement between the two commissioners about some key uh, recommendations. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. They seem to be in agreement about most things, except where the buck stops and and how we're going to pay for it. Um, wh- where do you think the buck should stop? Well, you know, it's really interesting. When I council assisting was going for the idea of having, you know, a separate independent authority managing the aged care system, and at the time I thought, well, look, that makes a lot of sense. But I have to say, Commissioner Briggs is quite persuasive. She argues that there is no doubt they both agree that the federal government is responsible. It's a mechanism through which that responsibility, if you like, is mediated. So should it be this new independent authority, or should it be the uh, what she proposes, renaming the uh, Federal Department of Health and Ageing? One of the reasons I'm beginning to be persuaded by her argument is that in the past, it's all very well to have independent agencies, but governments can always underfund oversight agencies. Mm. It's a very effective way of blunting the teeth, as, as it were, of um, those independent regulatory authorities. Uh, so... I think that there's going to be a lot of debate about this, but I think at the political level, what's a pity is it does allow the federal government a bit of an out because both commissioners have said, listen, federal government, you are responsible. You've got to, you know, come come back in. Stop pretending that the sector and providers are responsible for what happens in the aged care system. You fund it, you regulate it you know, step up, take charge. That's right. And we, we, we kind of saw that sort of plan 
probably fail a little bit recently with um, what what happened through the pandemic. Absolutely, we did. There, there, there are some countries. Yeah. yeah, there are some countries in the world, and correct me if I'm wrong here, where uh, certain fundings are sacrosanct and they are not uh, touched. They are not um, at the whim of the current government uh, or their persuasion. But it's a it's a fixed uh, funding model. Am I correct in thinking that that might be a good one to go with with this? Well, the problem is that all countries have got different models and they've all got pluses and minuses. So that in the UK, and I've spent a bit of time in Scotland, for example, and they are a devolved nation. So they don't have power over the amount of money that comes to them, but they do have power over how they spend it and how they regulate it. So, for example, they've got a, a care inspector, which is responsible for making sure that good quality care is provided, that staffing is efficient and there's a lot more transparency and I think this is something both commissioners agreed on. We need yeah, more transparency absolutely. in our system. So lots of money and one could argue not enough money yeah. because we spend less than other comparable countries on our aged care. Is that right? But yeah, we do. We do. So we, we spend about 1.2% of our GDP and the OECD average, that's you know, taking a whole range of OECD countries spends about, you know, 2.5. So we're, so we're underspending in terms of quantum. Our big problem, I think, is that we don't know where, where that money's going. So that while, you know, providers are calling for additional funding, and there's arguably a case for that, we need to know if that additional funding is going to additional staffing, you know, better, you know, I, I do a lot of work with the aged care workforce, but, you know, better... Um, quality training and support professional development at the moment that's often left up to individual aged care workers. Especially that with Alzheimer's, etc. Well, yes, I mean, that's that's a reality. So who's using aged care today in residential aged care? It's people who are much older than they were formerly. They're living longer, but they're older, they're frailer, they're various stages of cognitive decline. But even in home care, people have more complex health needs. So... I have a 96-year-old mother who's in very fine fettle. It's very hard to get her any home care support because she's able to perform, as they say, the activities of daily living. You know, she she's a functional, a functional... How old did you say she was? 96. She's a functional 96-year-old um, and therefore doesn't require attention. There, there, therefore doesn't require care. Now, yeah. I don't want to just use, use my mother's example, but she, in fact, could, could do with an additional... Uh, support, you know, getting a community nurse in yeah. every now and again. My nan was the same, Sarah. Yeah, she was. She was function. She was a functional ninety-year-old, and um, but you know, kept kept having falls. And we, you know, my, yeah. my parents yeah. would get home and find her um, on yeah. the floor. My aunties would come home and find her on the floor. But you know, she was adamant that she wanted to stay home. Unfortunately. The level of care wasn't there. It's interesting, though, one of the things, I mean, we've had so many investigations into aged care. Mm. Uh, you know, I'd like to ask you specifically in a minute why you think this one would be any different. Well, there's I mean, been some 42 since 1980. That's right. And, I mean, the the focus, you know, listening to the PM at the presser yesterday and he's saying, you know, the, the focus has got to shift from the provider and funding and, and focus on the individual. The individual has to be at the I mean, that to me seems like a no-brainer, how it hasn't been operating like that all of these years. Mm. You talk about where the funding's going and once it hits the, the providers, it sort of disappears into the ether or, mm. um, you know, the, the, the books seem to be a little, let's just say, a little bit muddy. Um, why do you think this 
investigation or this Royal Commission will be any different and, and what do you think the priorities should be? Well, very, very good question. I think that this will be different because the process of the Royal Commission, very interesting. Think of all the engagement with it. It's really mobilised, particularly aged care advocacy groups and not, if you like, the usual suspects in terms of some of the formal, you know, long-standing aged care um, advocates, but really a grassroots development of awareness. And in New Zealand, for example, uh, they had a, uh, a human rights inquiry into the quality of care and the quality of, of work in the aged care sector. But what led to a fundamental transformation there in terms of providing training for workers, providing a career structure, providing better wages mm. and conditions. But what was so important was that all those groups came together, but particularly people representing seniors or older people, or they might be representing older people from particular migrant communities. I sense during this Royal Commission there's been a real unity of purpose you know, from families, and I think that this is going to hopefully provide the political impetus or political pressure to actually actually do something. Oh, yeah, did, he turned it into a, a, a he, he did politicise it a little yesterday with the, um, I mean, to his credit, took some responsibility for his part yes. in, in, the, in the way that the aged care system has sort of degraded, especially as in his time as treasurer. I attended a couple of the mm. budgets where we saw those that aged care spend the slashed. Um, to his yes. credit, he put his hand up for that, but then very quickly sort of pointed to the, the, the governments of the past 25 to 30 years to sort of say, you know, know, I'll take know, some responsibility, but you're going to take some too. Yes, and, and, and we, really, we really need to move beyond that. There's so much evidence out there. There was so much evidence and rich evidence that was presented to the Royal Commission. So even if we go to one of the key recommendations, which is mandate its own residential aid scheme, mandated uh, minimum minutes per day per resident of mm, care. Yeah, you're right. It's that it's that you know the immediate priorities have got to be getting more workers, better trained workers, more food by the looks of things, yes. and more less reliance on yes. on the, on the easy outs, which to this yes. stage have been that that chemical restraint and physical restraint. Sarah, which country in the world has the gold standard? Do you believe in quality aged care? Oh look. <laughs> I, I, if you I mean, could go I, to I, anyone and say, why can't what we is the do the ideal them? model? Yeah. Is there one? Well, I, no, I don't think there's an ideal model, but I'll tell you what, I think the New Zealand um, model of uh, home care in particular mm. is really good. This so, is, yeah. This is, and this home, is what home care is uh, like, like your mum, uh, Sarah. Uh, yes. you know, I mean, yeah. So, the, and and, and we, we tend to forget we focus on residential aged yeah, care, right. but there's more Australians in the home care system, and it's mm-hmm. not just these, you know, I think these packages of care have been, from my point of view, a disaster. They were supposed to provide individuals with choice, but they've been rationed. These are the ones for which they're horrendously long yep. waiting with, so you can be assessed at a yeah. certain level, but you might wait years. Or And, you know, and 16,000 people died in the last financial year while waiting to get the service for which they'd been assessed as needing so i think that um, was that was the most promising thing that came out of yesterday was when you know he he, were asked what the future of aged care was and it was i think very positive that that his assumption was that the future of aged care will be in the home it will be served in the home you know he drew parallels to the way that the ndis's 
operating currently with tailored packages for you know for home mm-hmm. connectors. It's nice to say that out loud. It's something we all want. We know that you know eighty percent of our members want to age in place. They want to they want to age at home for as long yeah, as possible. Of course they do. Do you see that being possible within this five year roadmap that the government's sort of laying out in front of us? Is five years well, too long, have- or is it is it not long enough? Well, I mean, I think being realistic, five years is to get it up and running and fully functional. You may well need five years. (laughs) But but you have to absolutely start now. And the important thing about home care, which they said, was no more rationing because packages are rationed. This is why you've got long waiting lists. Mm -hmm. And the maximum has been costed. So even if you're at top level four, and in theory that means $50,000 per annum for your care, but you are charged full dollar for that care. So if it's a community nurse, it's a dollar fifty an hour. If it's a home care worker, it's fifty dollars an hour. Mind you, neither the nurse nor the home care worker are being paid anything like that. Yeah. Nor are they being supported or, or trained. But it's in the agents, Commonwealth yeah. Home Support Program, people are assessed and then they can get a certain amount of care. But what the Royal Commission is saying, we, we mustn't have these artificial caps. If somebody has a choice and it's practical for them to remain at home and for argument's sake, they need 20 hours of care a week, so be it. You know, as long as the system can do that, there'll be some situations where someone might be comatose and require, you know, 24-hour nursing care, you know, they might need to be being turned every three or four hours, etc. That may not be practical to provide in the home because there might be too much medical or clinical intervention needed. There will always be situations where people will either might need to be in hospital or in a residential care setting. But for most people with enough care provided in the home, that will really help them stay at home and live live the lives that they want to live. I think we've got, unfortunately, with older people in Australia, we seem to have this palliative view of old people. We'll just keep them comfortable until they die yep. rather than saying, Quality how can life. we help Helping them, them live, every minute. live yeah. live live their best life, yep. whatever whatever they think their best lives is, whatever their families, you know, with them believe would be best for their for their mum or dad or their aunt or uncle. Um, I, I, it's just, you know, incredibly important. So one very good thing, and this is the Royal Commissioners are united, that we need to move away from this um, ration model and that every Australian older person will have the right to the care that they need. The only difference between uh, them and us, uh, Sarah, of course, is that they they got there first. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, something you said in passing has made me, you know, my ears pricked up and the the hairs on the back of my neck sort of went up a bit as well when you said that the healthcare professional, the nurse or whatever, would come in, but they wouldn't see anything like the money that is being paid. Mm -hmm. Who's getting the money? That's right. That's, That's the problem, isn't it? Well, it is. And but let's be frank, you know, one of the big lies of the consumer directed care was that it used to be and in the Commonwealth Home Support Program, the Commonwealth picks up the cost of administering the program. So the assessment, the organisation of it, etc. you know, um, uh, agencies uh, are funded a certain amount for administration costs. It costs money to organise rosters, it costs money to bring in workers for training, etc. etc. Right. Okay. It costs money to set up rostering systems. If someone's sick or a client is unwell and can't have a visit this day, you've got to recalibrate things. So yes, yes, that costs money. But the moment in the system, there's no transparency. So since they introduced the home care packages, there's been a real rash of small for-profit providers coming into the market. Mm-hmm. No, 
who have no contact with their workers. Workers are sent a roster by text. Their roster can be changed any time. And workers are being paid very, very low wages for that time. They're not receiving any training. I've come across workers who say, look, because most of my clients have some form of dementia, I've taken myself off and done certificates so I have some skills in terms of dementia care. But we need a system that says to work in this system, you know, given our ageing population, everybody needs to have at least some skills in working with people who have various forms of dementia because we know that not all forms of dementia are the same. Different people have got different needs. Increasingly, home care workers are doing quasi-medical duties. They're doing pig feeding. They're doing wound management. They're changing colostomy bags. I mean, this is skilled work and a lot of workers will learn through experience how to do this, but we really need to be ensuring that we have top-notch training, which workers are supported and paid to do. I mean, during COVID, for example, the COVID training that home care workers were supposed to do and residential aged care workers were supposed to do, most of them are doing this on their own time. Wow. They're doing this on online. And quite frankly, online training is not sufficient when you're dealing with frail older people. Sarah, you have um, really been very generous with your time and we, we do thank you so much. Uh, this has been a, a massive uh, report to come down. And Eight volumes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot I of the- <laughs> I mean, we're going to be reading it for quite a while. Um, the government's freely admitted they haven't even read it all yet and I think, yeah. you know, we'll, 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 we'll have a lot of questions over the coming months uh, and... I'm sure there'll be some real nuggets in those reports. We've ordered we've ordered our hard copies. We're waiting for them to come yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have to. Yes, <laughs> well, we use them as doorstops. Look, I think I think um, you know the, the 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 positive side. Let's look at the silver lining. It, it hasn't been run so well. There has been the focus on profit and not people. Mm. Um, there yeah. certainly was that clear messaging yesterday from the government that they were going to shift that focus back to people, lip service or not. Time will tell. Um, But I think the positive thing that came out of yesterday is that this is an opportunity to fix a system that sorely needs fixing. Sarah, thank you so much indeed for your time. and uh, A a real pleasure. Let's hope that your mum stays incredibly well for many more years. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Okay. Professor Sarah Charlesworth from RMIT, thank you so much indeed for your time. Uh, Leon, that was a fascinating chat. Um, it's it's kind of scary to think that uh, there have been so many ro- reports come down over the years. And, you know, why why do you think this one – I mean, we've heard some, what Sarah said, but why do you think this one might be different? Just when you say all the reports that have come down over the years, you think of the things that we've heard in those reports, the, 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 the terrible stories um, – I, my family's had, uh, you know, personal experience with one of the, let's say, less favourable stories of aged care. Mm. Um, I, I, I won't go into that, but it's just these are the things we've heard of. Can you imagine, oh. like, these? this is the iceberg of these stories. Now, on the flip side, there are a tonne of amazing people out there doing their utmost for our older Australians, mm. for our elders who are looking after them. So let's not forget that it's not whilst the system itself probably doesn't have the best reputation, there are so many people in that system who are working their guts out to make it as as good as possible as they can with the limited funding that they've got, with the prospect of slashed funds, you know, year in, year out. This 
Royal Commission, I think, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the the PM was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into into this Royal Commission. Uh, the the spin on that, obviously, yesterday was I can't even count how many times he said, I asked, I called for this, I asked, I called for this. Yeah, and the moment, the moment it came like, out, they threw uh, half a billion that's right. dollars into it. We are the ones who have yeah. called this. You know what? You've called for it. You've got the answers. You fix now it. Let's, let's find those solutions. And I think that's, that's what's going to make this one different. I think they've made too big a deal of it to sweep it under the rug. One last question, then I'll let you go because I've got a lot of things to do. Uh, as publisher of Your Life Choices, what will you and Your Life Choices be doing as far as this report uh, moving on for the next couple of months and into the future? Look, we've always um, sort of run the rule over aged care. We'll call it out when we see it. Um, I think there's a lot of reading for us to do. Like I said, we've got our hard copies on the way. Uh, I've been pouring through the, the, um, the online documents We'll, we'll advocate for better conditions. I think, um, again, they've made such a big deal of it. We'll make sure that the spotlight stays on the government keep and the on the providers yeah. and exactly keep that noise, keep, keep that going. We'll, 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 we'll join with our, you know, our, our fellow advocacy groups. Not that we're an advocacy group, but we do believe there are some people out there doing some fantastic work uh, on behalf of um, you know, older Australians. Us included, of course. We'll spread the message and we'll just continue to keep the spotlight on the people responsible for fixing this. More power to you and the uh, Your Life Choices team. Leon Delabosca, publisher, thank you so much for coming in and joining me for that interview. Take Always care. Always a pleasure, John. Thank you.